Beginning with verse 21 of the seventh chapter, he says, not everyone who says to me, notice that instead of just talking in generalities about things that are nice and, and the way that and you're up to this point, everybody's been able to sit back and say, yeah, yeah, it'd be nice if people really lived like that. Yeah, that would be a nice thing. And he's been talking, it's more like he's been talking to them saying, this is what you should do. He has been very direct, but all of a sudden, it changes, and he is saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on, he talks about, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then listen to what he says then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. All of a sudden, this one who has been preaching about such nice things and a nice way to live and all, it's what people have been hearing. All of a sudden, he's made it clear that at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, we're going to stand before a righteous judge and that judge will be him. And all of a sudden, things take a very serious tone, a very serious note in connection with him and who he is. And we need to remember this because this is a sermon or a message, I think it would be better to say, that's been delivered on a mountain to God's people by God himself. If you'll remember back in the book of Exodus, there was a time when God got together with Moses and he gave his people the Ten Commandments. He gave them some ways of living and they weren't ten suggestions. They were ten commandments as to how life should be lived. And he made it clear to them if they would live by those ten commandments that they would be blessed. And now here we have God himself on a mountain telling us once again how to live our lives and we're reaching the conclusion of his message. If you ever wondered if Jesus was God, this should let you know that he knew he was God as he was speaking. So many people uh, say, well, you know, he couldn't really know he was God. But the thing is, listen to the tone. Listen to what he says. And the next words that he said, the next word is the word, therefore. Therefore. I was asking Sharon this morning as we were sitting at breakfast, if your parents... 
if one of your parents came in and said, Sharon, come here, we need to talk. What sort of musical note would you play then? Becky, help me out on this one. You're, you're doing good. Okay. And uh, suppose that you're at work in your office and all of a sudden the, uh, the, your boss comes up and says, you need to come in my office right now. We need to talk. What would be the note that would be played? Something like, Duh. you know, and you wouldn't know if it's going to be good or if it's going to be bad. But there would be this apprehension because there would be the chance it was going to be something bad. It's like whenever the principal walks in the door and goes over to a teacher and says something to the teacher's ear. And then the teacher steps up and says, Joan, Mr. So-and-so would like to see you in his office. There's this, you know, and it could be you're going to get a great reward, you know, but you don't know for sure. But let me tell you, just about every time you see a therefore in the Bible, nearly every time you see a therefore, especially in the New Testament, what is going to follow is going to be some really important information about how God intends for you to live your life. Nearly every time. And so here's this word, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and thinks they're really nice, no, that's not what he says, is it? Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then he goes on and he tells a parable. And I want to get back to it again in a minute. But it says that whenever, well, I'm going to, let's go ahead and read on through it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. That's the end of his sermon. Sometimes whenever people get to that point nowadays and they made their point, they just turn around and walk away from the microphone. And the caption is, drops the mic. Well, he dropped the mic. It was over. His sermon was over. And they are there after his concluding remarks. They were in shock because it had all been... Well, yeah, 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 up until the end. And then it's, whoa. 
And he goes on, it goes on and it says, when Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. I think we need to look at this whole thing in the light of a couple of several, so a couple of passages of scripture, remembering who Jesus is. First of all, he is the son of God. He was involved in creation in the gospel of John. It says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then it goes on and said that nothing was created apart from him. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus had a part in your creation. He knows what he's talking about. When he gives us these words of life, he means them. John 3.16 needs to be remembered here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Part of his giving of his son was having him stand on this mountain and share these words, not just with those people there, but with us here at San Philip United Methodist Church. And these words are meant for us from our creator. And all these things he said about life, all these things he said about relationships, all these things he said about forgiveness and loving your enemies and turning the other cheek and all these things that he has said that we really struggle with. He said them for a very important reason. And the thing is, when our children start heading the wrong way, we all have to do something, don't we? We all in love sit down with them. We look them in the eye and we say, I have something to say to you now. And I'm not saying this because I'm mean. I'm not saying this because I don't love you. Don't you know that I love you? Haven't I already proved to you that I love you? I'm saying this to you because you're getting ready to head in the wrong direction. Wherever you're getting ready to go, don't go there. Don't do that. And I'm not saying these things to condemn you because this is not about condemnation. It is a warning I know, trust me, believe me. And so this is what our heavenly father is doing through Jesus Christ. He's saying, I know about life. I created it. You need to go this way. This is the best way. This is the way to have a good life. Yes, I know all your friends are wanting to go the other way. I know they're wanting to do the other thing. But I'm telling you, don't go there. You will regret it. And I tell you this 
out of love. And it's not that I want you to do these things to prove to me that you love me because you know I love you. And if you ruin your life with sin, and if you come crawling back to me at the end of the day, having really messed things up horribly, you know I'm still going to love you and I'll take you back. It's not to condemn you. It's because I love you that I tell you these things. The one who told us these things later on in the book of Revelation is going to say, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And behold, that means and look, behold, look, I hold the keys of hell and death. He's saying the things that I say are important. And what he has given us in this Sermon on the Mount are keys to life. They're keys to the gates of heaven. If we will embrace them and live by them. There is another scripture we need to remember this morning, another story that ties in with this, and that is the story of the rich young ruler. If you'll recall, the rich young ruler comes running up to Jesus and says, Master, what must I do? Hear that? What must I do to have eternal life? He said, well, you know the commandments. And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've kept those from my youth up. And it says that Jesus looked on this young man and he loved him. He said, one thing that you lack, go and sell all you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me. What I want you to notice, Jesus told him what he needed to do. And then what did the young man do? He turned around and sorrowfully he walked away. Now I want you to notice what Jesus did. He let him go. He loved him. It states it there in scripture. He loved this rich young ruler. But he stood there after giving him the information that he needed. He let him make his choice. And this is what Jesus is telling us at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. I have told you what you need to do. Now the choice is yours. You can build on the foundation of the will of my Father, or you can build on the foundation of whatever you want it to be. And the choice is yours. You see, he doesn't force us to choose him. He doesn't force us to live a pure life. He doesn't force us to be godly people. He tells us what we must do in order to have life. And it's not just eternal life that we're talking about. We're talking about in the here and now as well. He's saying, if you live your life this way, you're going to be building your life on a good foundation. 
And it's going to be able to withstand the storms of life as they come. And yeah, you might lose a shingle or two, but the building's going to stand. But if you build your life on another foundation other than the one that I've given you, the storm's going to come and your life is going to crash in around you. And then basically he says, the choice is yours. I've told you. I have given you a warning. It's not a condemnation. It is a warning given in pure, unadulterated love. Now, for some of you, as you've heard this uh, parable this, this day, this comes to you as a comfort. For some of you here, it comes as a warning. And for some of you here, it comes as an explanation. Uh, it comes as a comfort because maybe a year ago, maybe some years ago, maybe many, many years ago, you moved from being someone that just attended Sunday school or church and you began to live the life and do the best you could to live the life that Jesus has called you to. You have organized your life around Jesus. The way you live your life, the way you handle your money, the way that you date your marriage, the way you think, uh, who you work with, how you work, your honesty. You've allowed the teachings of Jesus to saturate all of your decisions. And from time to time, you may lay in bed at night and wonder, is it really worth it? Yeah, I'm missing out on what some people say is a lot of fun. I'm missing opportunities. I'm going home early. They're staying late. My family thinks I'm crazy. They call me a religious fanatic. I've uh, given away a lot of money. And my financial planner thinks I'm crazy. I'm trying not to just be a follower, somebody that just kind of looks on Jesus and thinks he's neat. I've tried not to be just a believer. Somebody just acknowledges who he is. But I have endeavored to be a doer. And this parable should reinforce that decision that you made. And Jesus would say to you that you're like a wise builder. You've laid a good foundation and it's going to serve you eternally. The rest of your life here and on into heaven. You just keep on. And when you hit the bumps of life and the storms come, you're going to appreciate your foundation because you have built a one that's really going to last. You've been so generous financially that when you hit a financial bump in life, you can 
look to me with a clear conscience and say, Lord, years ago, I committed my finances to you. And I'm trusting you to care for me now because you know I've cared for you. When you hit a relationship bump, you'll be able to say with a clear conscience, Lord, to the best of my ability, I have organized my marriage under you. I am committed to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I am committed to loving my husband. I've done everything I know to do. So I'm trusting you to intervene on my behalf. And you'll be able to do that with a clear conscience. And Jesus will be there for you. Your life will stand not because of a commitment you made or a prayer that you prayed, but because you put into practice what you knew he wanted you to do. For others of you, as I said, this is a warning. You followed, you've, uh, you've learned a lot about Jesus, and uh, you come to the place to where you, uh, you like church, and you pray, and you think prayer is really a neat thing. But uh, even though I do think that this is really neat, and that's really neat, I don't really care about this. You're kind of doing the supermarket thing, and you're picking and choosing what you want of what the Lord has said. And Jesus is warning you that you're in a bad spot. Your foundation is shaky. You've been laying a foundation for years to come concerning your marriage, your finances, and other areas. And if you're laying a foundation other than what Jesus teaches, the bumps in life and the storms of life are going to come. And you're in danger And he's warning you today. He's warning you. You need to go another direction. It's not like Jesus is saying, I'm going to get you. That's not what he means here at all. It's like he's saying, I love you. And I want good for you so much. You're building on the wrong foundation. It's not going to stand. Now is the time to start laying the right foundation. The storms are going to come if they're not hitting already. You may be procrastinating. Oh, I have plenty of time. Everything's okay in my life right now. And Jesus is saying, I am begging you. For some of you, this is an explanation in one of life, you're, you may be in one of life's storms right now. And you thought, how could God do this to me? Doesn't God love me? Where is God? Why would God? What's going on here? I go to church. I pray. 
I believe in God. And Jesus would say to you, you know, that's great. But how are you living your life? And how is that lining up with what I have said? That makes a difference in this life. It's practical obedience that makes the practical difference, people. It's the explanation as to why you're not doing so well. Because suddenly you're facing the consequences of a poorly laid foundation. And that's not meant to condemn you, as I've said earlier. Because none of this is about condemning anyone. But it's an explanation. It's why so many people uh, come back to Jesus. Not just in their head, but they actually come back to him and they begin to live their lives differently after a storm hits their lives. And why do they do this? Because everything was great and suddenly the storm came and it took out their foundation. And they were left without a mooring. They were left with nothing. And all of a sudden they found themselves back at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Suddenly a storm came and your marriage didn't work out. Suddenly a storm came and financially or relationally or spiritually or morally, it was a huge setback because you didn't have what it took to endure. People come back to the Lord. They come back to church, not just to believe and not just for comfort, but they come back saying, I'm going to do life differently from this point on. Because the next time I face a storm, I want to be ready. And now I realize showing up at church and reading a Bible, that's a great first step. But I didn't apply it to my life. I did the church stuff on Sunday. But it didn't spill into the rest of the week. I didn't alter my lifestyle. I listened to the world when it came to living my life and just gave lip service to Jesus on Sunday. I didn't embrace in a practical way the teachings of Jesus because it was too inconvenient or you were concerned about what other people were going to think. But you're thinking, boy, I sure wish I had. Because looking back now, my life would be different if I'd laid a different foundation. It all boils down to this. Who are you going to trust? Yourself? Your culture? Or your creator? Who has laid these words out before you? I know I've shared the story of Jake the fisherman with you before, but some of you weren't here and didn't hear it. If you'll recall, Jake was a 
was a fisherman that uh, he always brought in just tons of fish. And the warden wanted to know where Jake's honey hole was. He knew that Jake had a special place where he pulled in all those fish. And the warden just kept bugging him about it and bugging him about it. And so finally, Jake said, okay, uh, warden, you be here at five o'clock in the morning and we're going to go out and we're going fishing. And I'll tell you what, the warden was there, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, waiting whenever Jake got there. They hopped in the boat and they took off. They went way, way, way back down the slough somewhere. And Jake pulled out a box. He opened the box. He pulled out a cigar. He pulled out a lighter. He lit the cigar. He reached back in the box. He pulled out a stick of dynamite. He lit the stick of dynamite on the few on the on the cigar. He threw the dynamite off in the water and bluey fish just floated up everywhere. And the warden was just amazed that Jake would do such a thing as that in front of him. And so he, what are you thinking? Don't you know it's against the law? And, yin, 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 yin. and he just goes on and on. And Jake is just looking at him while he's just ranting and raving over there. And he reaches into his box. He pulls out another stick of dynamite. He lights it and he rolls it over underneath the warden's feet. And he says, warden, are you going to talk or are you going to fish? <laughs> And this is basically what the Lord's saying to us today at the conclusion of this sermon. Are you going to talk? Are you going to fish? He has laid before you something that's going to blow up if you don't do something with it. He has laid before you something that is powerful. And even if you do nothing you have chosen to do something. You've just chosen to do the wrong thing. And so he calls you today to look back over all that he has said in this sermon and base your life on it. For it is life here and through all eternity. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.